Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Lori Frankel is the author of Family Family, a novel. Lori is the New York Times bestselling, award-winning author of novels such as The Atlas of Love, Goodbye for Now, and the Reese's Book Club pick, This is How It Always Is. Lori lives in Seattle with her husband, daughter, and border collie. She makes good soup. (laughs) I have to say, I absolutely loved this book, Family Family. It's one of my top books so far of the year. Welcome, Lori. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Family Family. (laughs) I'll just say it that way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I'm thrilled and I'm thrilled to be here and I appreciate so much you're doing this. Of course. Okay. As I was just saying, I'm like obsessed with this book. I love the voice. (laughs) 
I love all of it. It's so original. Oh my gosh. I just, it's hilarious. Even all the like malapropisms, malaprop. I mean, I mean, you can't even say that. Right. I mean, just like all these funny things you do. It's like all the way through. It's, it's so, it's just so first rate. I don't know. I loved it. Okay. Tell listeners what family family is about. Oh, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it so much. It's such a weird time after the book has left my hands, but before Mm -hmm. it's in anyone else's. So it means the world to me. Family, family is about, uh, well, it's about a family (laughs) and it is about adoption and it is about not just one adoption, but a lot and a lot of different kinds of adoption, which is sort of the idea that I went into it with. And then it proved much, much more complicated than that. There are lots and lots of books about adoption. You know, so often when we talk about lack of representation, we really mean a lack. And that's not the problem with adoption. It's not that there is no representation. It's just that the representation is so negative. Mm-hmm. And and when it isn't negative, it's this like, well, then a miracle occurred and they settled for each other and it wasn't terrible. And I hate that story. So, mm-hmm. so I set out to tell a different one. And it took me a long time to figure out, well, okay, how do you tell a story if your point is that, well, it's not really terrible. It, it wasn't that these horrible things happened. And that is why there's not just just one, but but a variety, I guess, of adoptive families in this book. It is also about a movie star and it is about social media and uh, cancel culture and scandal that we, we sort of get caught up in and rile up ourselves. And it's about dream jobs and the way in which dream jobs are dreamy, but they are also jobs. And which is something that I think about all the time because I definitely have a dream job and it is dreamy, but it is also a job. <laughs> well, you achieved your goal in such a creative way, right? By having the main character, I always forget everybody's name. What is her name? India. India. Yeah. Having India, of course, India, there was a whole backstory of that name. (laughs) How did I forget that? Anyway, (laughs) having India be the movie star who's in a movie about the adoption that's then not with the right depiction. And so it's like this whole meta thing that you get set up. You know, it's funny. I just went to this for the screening of All the Light You Cannot See, yeah. which have you been watching that? I don't know. I anyway. haven't yet because oh I because the book was so good. I and know, I, just thought, I know, I know. Oh, is it going to do it justice? I don't know. So I, I will, but I haven't worked up to it yet, I think. Yeah. Well, I saw, I was like out in a place, like I had to go see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I was like a little reluctant. It's really good. But anyway, the star was there and she's low sight. Yeah. And so she was talking exactly as you are about representation. And she's like, all the depictions of you know, no sight or low sight people have you like with this cane and this and that, like, this is not what it's like. It doesn't have to be the story. She's like, I don't look spacey and like, you know, that I can't, you know, and it's just what you're saying. Like, it doesn't have to be a sob story. And where are the other, where are the flip sides? Why is there only one narrative? Yes, exactly. Where are the flip sides? Why is there only one narrative? Yeah. And I think some of the answer to that question is narrative involves misery. Like there have to be low points in order for you to go up again. There has to be this arc. It's like by definition. Right. And and that just means you have to find a different way to tell about it and to talk about it. And I also think it is, these are complicated, complex issues, which makes them really wonderful things to talk about for 400 pages, but not for 400 characters. You know, I I think they just, they don't lend themselves well to, to sound bites or to posts. I need 10 hours from you. (laughs) I need you to sit down and like, let me tell you a story. And that makes it a wonderful thing to write a novel about, but, but also that's a, you know, that's a high bar basically. 
Well, but when you put it that way, that you need like 10 hours, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I don't have 10 hours for you. That's right. Yeah. But, (laughs) you know, when I, but then when you read it and your chapters are also short and punchy, you know, like you, your time like disappears. Like reading time is not like regular time because when you're reading something good, you're, you lose the clock entirely. And that's kind of what, you know, this book does. It's like you can't sleep and you want to finish and da da da. So it doesn't feel, it also doesn't (laughs) feel like 400 pages because that would also be like, forget, forget that too, you know, but it's these short sections all linked together. You know, it's almost, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. And I feel exactly that way. As a reader, I want, I I want it to move. I want to be turning the pages. And if it does, you can take as long as you want, but if I'm slogging through it, then I feel like, no, 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 no. We got to pick, you know, because you're right. 10 hours is, is a lot of time to ask of someone and especially now, but probably always. And, and when you put it like that, like, okay, give me 10 hours and, and we'll do this thing. And, and your immediate reaction is no, I, I don't have 10, what do you, I don't have 10 hours. Um, And so I think, you know, as writers, we have to earn it. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's, I mean, it's really amazing. Anyone reads anything when you put it that way. It is really amazing. (laughs) It is. It is. And I'm, and I am therefore so grateful to to people for doing it, but, and myself, I do spend almost all my time reading books. So, Mm -hmm. so I feel like, okay, you know, I, 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 I know what that transaction is. How did you come up with, the characters, were you ever into acting? I feel like it's so deep into that world as well, that whole like aspirational and wanting to act but not being able to sing and, yeah. you know, having just, even when India realizes like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm meant to do. Not everybody yeah. has that feeling. No, not everybody has that feeling. And so I, I'm a theater fan. I'm a deep, deep, I love, I love the theater. I love musical theater. I love musicals. Unlike India, I love plays. I love the theater. I always, always have. I cannot sing, but it turns out I also cannot act. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much going to be a barrier for me to, to be doing. <laughs> it is really interesting, I think, to love something as an audience member and have no sense of wanting to or being able to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And for me, that contrasts with reading, which I also am a huge fan of, and I'm doing all the, all the, all the time. And eventually that spilled over into wanting to do it myself, wanting to write books myself. And that's not on the table for me for theater. And so in some ways it's this, I don't know, it's a pure love. It is just something that I have always, that I have always loved, but never aspired to mm-hmm. maybe. It's also true that my academic background is in Shakespeare. And so I, I have all of this and I, so, and I've, I taught play writing and I've taught play reading, you know, I've taught drama, theater, all of that stuff, like from an academic standpoint. And, and that's very, very different, but it, it does, it did give me a place to start as far as research went. And it's super fascinating research. It's a, it is an interesting world to be immersed in from, from that perspective. So all of that was a pleasure. So then when was your first attempt at fiction? One of the things that I think is interesting is that, how do I want to say it? I am a novelist, like consummately. Like I think the way people want to give you their star signs, I am a novelist, like in this kind of core of my being sort of way. It's what I want to read and it's what I want to write. So I had tried to write short stories, which seems like the entry point. I mean, and the kind of most direct answer to your question, but I didn't want to write short stories. I wanted to write novels. And I think that you cannot know whether you can write a novel until you have actually already written a novel. Mm -hmm. It is a really difficult thing to sit down and try to do 
because they're long and they take a really long time. So, you know, I think if you want to know if you can write a sonnet, you can sit down and try to write a sonnet. I think if you want to know if you can write fiction, you can sit down and write a short story and and it might take weeks and it might take months. But like, okay, that's a tackleable sort of a goal. I just think it isn't true with long form. So I didn't, I did not know that I could do it until I had already done it. I was teaching in Baltimore and then I fell in love with a person in Seattle and moved out to say out where I am still and got a teaching job out here. And I had this block of time, like six months between jobs for the first time in my life that I had time to actually sit down and say, is this something I can do? I have no idea. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I figured it out by after I, you know, after I had done, I had read 10,000 novels and that seems like pretty good training, but I just don't think there's any way to know whether you can get from the beginning to the end of the thing without doing it. Very true. When you were structuring this novel, who came first? Fig, India, one of the other characters? Like where did the, or did it all just sort of come together? Yes. It's such a good question. So India used to die in the first sentence of the book. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I know. <laughs> Which is really remarkable given that she is, I mean, she's certainly the, the heart of this novel. <laughs> and I don't think it's really much of a spoiler to say that she lives through it, but she did not used to. And she was always a huge part of the book, but she was kind of hanging over it because we mm. knew that she died. And, and simply it was just too sad and she had too much life in her and it it colored the book in a way that it was too costly. Mm-hmm. But therefore I had her kids too. So Fig also, like they came together. I had Fig's voice in my head from the beginning because she's 10. And so her voice is very, dist- and she's very smart smart 10-year-old, precocious and smart 10-year-old, which is how I like my kids. And therefore, that voice is really clear and I think easier to write because of that and easier to, you empathize with her immediately because Mm -hmm. she is a child and she is smart and curious and originally because she had lost her mom. And so, well, pretty much everything else about this book changed over the course of it. I I mean, I cut 300,000 words from this thing. What? Um, I cut 300,000 words from this book. That's nearly three times as many words as remain. Uh, you know, it has two timelines, one of which I dragged to the trash can and, you know, and redrafted from scratch. And so- wow. which Wait, which one? Uh, well, the past one, because okay. as I say, she used to, you know, she used to, I'm sorry, the present, the present the timeline, present because she okay. used to die. And then, you know, and then we had this whole, you know, aftermath. So right. we were getting the story of her past leading up to, her death. And then I see. We, we saw her legacy. Mm-hmm. And so that had to go. I mean, it just had to go. It is also true that I started this book on March 3rd, 2020. Hmm. So it was really, I mean, it went really well for a week. And then my kid came home from school for a year and a half, you know, like the whole world got derailed. And I, I think there's no way to have been writing something and, and not have that got, get derailed as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything changed. Well, to your you know, writing of a fig as a 10-year-old. I have a 10-year-old daughter. And so this was like spot on, you know, and I have boy-girl twins who are older. They're 16. But anyway, there were like so many things. I was like, she got that right. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. That one. Yep. Uh (laughs) Awesome. So. Yes. I love that (laughs) note. Thank you. That's great. Even like the agent character. I mean, the sense of humor in this very subtle, but I like, I chuckle out loud multiple times. It's not like, 
You're not doing slapstick. It's like this very sophisticated but hilarious comedy that like you have to know the words that are, it's just so great. It's like a hidden code or something. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you might miss it, but. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Because that too, I think contributes to what you're talking about. I want to earn your 10 hours. I want you to be amused. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So did you, do you like make yourself laugh when you're writing? Like, do you chuckle at all? I don't think I do, but I do, I see the jokes coming and I think, okay. oh yeah, that's going to, that's going to work. That's going to be good. <laughs> and and I, they come to me just a few lines before they come into my head, maybe a few mm-hmm. lines before they actually come out of my fingers. And I think, yeah, okay, that's, that's going to be nice. That's going to work. It's a, I, once I've established the characters and, and edited them and revised them a lot, they start to talk. And so I, you know, I hear them and they, they surprise me as if I were reading, as if I were reading it. And that's, uh, you know, that, I feel like that's what you're writing too, to, mm-hmm. to get to that point where the characters are amusing you. <laughs> Interesting. Did you work alongside your editor? I mean, I know this is not your first book. Like, did you, yeah. uh, you're wearing a shirt that says edit. So, <laughs> or is this like to, to go through that many words and changes and all of that, like, I feel like to do that in alone in a room, you'd tear your hair out, you know? Yes, <laughs> there's definitely some tearing of hair. I did work with my editor a lot and she 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 is a, a person who has a lot of notes and we do go back and forth. But I did almost all of that 300,000 words of cutting before she saw it. I had done most of the major overhauling before I sent it out to her because I don't want her to, I like her. I want her to think well of me. I don't want her to see it until it's really pretty good. And it wasn't working. I mean, sometimes I think like, okay, this is working, but it could be better. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I will do those those large edits. But I have to talk myself into them more. This one, 
I didn't have to talk myself into because it just was not working. It was, mm-hmm. I was having to do a lot of, because it was the present timeline, I, I was having to do a lot of machinations mm-hmm. because the world was changing every morning. I woke up and it was somewhere different. And you're like, oh, well, you can't have the scene at school because school is closed. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't have the scene in a coffee shop because coffee shop is closed. Mm-hmm. Oh, those people can't run into each other at the grocery store. It's grocery. I mean, it was like that level of thing. Yep. Yep. But also you know, it was just admitting to myself, look, I can't kill this woman. Mm -hmm. So I have to find some other way of telling this, of telling this story. I will say though, that I am an editor. I I am a person who writes really terrible drafts and then iterates them, Mm -hmm. just write them again and again and again and again and again until they get better. And it is not, it is frustrating and it is not a linear (laughs) approach to novel writing. I think we're human being or really any of those things. I, if I could do it a different way, I certainly would, because there is that hair tearing, but, but I can't. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. <laughs> I found it really interesting, and this is part of the flipping the narrative we were talking about earlier. When, the, when India is going through all these birth mom like albums, right, and yeah. scrapbooks and learning everything and then finding the one that's different, and the way she talked to Camille. Camille, 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 Camille. You know, she's like, I don't want these letters that are like, oh, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to be a dear mom. Like, I'm going to take it. She's yeah. like, I, this is your child. Like, this yeah. is, don't even talk to me about it like that. And that's something that I hadn't read either. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, you, I And that is, that is exactly why. Because you haven't read that either. And I hadn't read that either. One of the things, there are a lot of implicit assumptions, I think, about adoption that were not looking at very closely and for a lot of reasons. And I think it isn't serving anyone to make those boxes really narrow. I don't think anyone is ever served by really narrow boxes. I feel like this is what I, this is my fifth novel. They're very different from one another, but like, this is what I'm always on about is like wider ranges of normal, make the world a better place for everyone. In the case of adoption and in the case of like birth moms in particular, I I think it is all really well-intentioned and trying to hold space for and trying to honor. And yet I think we are often doing people a disservice when we say, like, this is how you must feel. Mm -hmm. This is how you are always going to feel. This is how this is going to go. And I just think it's dehumanizing because everyone else might feel any of any different number of different ways about anything at all. Whereas we say, like, birth mothers have to feel this way and this order about this thing. And that's the only thing that's acceptable. There are lots of reasons for that. And, and they are, I mean, they are really loving reasons in a lot of ways, but I think they're ignoring human complexity and confining people in ways that I think are not serving anyone in the equation. And so I wanted to look at it more deeply and more complexly. Hmm. Complexly, is that a word? More complicatedly. <laughs> more closely. And and I guess, and you know, and again, I think this is the beauty of novels, like from a character perspective, not from a policy perspective, not not from a social media perspective, not, you know, not from a 1200 word article perspective. Like, let's really look at this mm-hmm. and look at this person as a person and see where we are. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you, by the way, with your next book? Do you hate when people ask you that? 
I don't, I don't hate when people ask me that. But in this case, it is a complicated question. I mean, at the moment, because I'm in this kind of pre-pub place, I'm mostly doing stuff for this one still. Mm-hmm. I have started the next one. I have always started the next one. I feel like novels are really daunting. And if you don't start the next one, then you will never start. Mm-hmm. You know, you stand at the bottom of the mountain, you're like, no, that's too tall. I, I can't. I can't. So I feel like it is it is good and useful to always to always be in the middle of something new. But mm-hmm. it is also true that because I revise so much and so thoroughly, probably wouldn't tell you what it's about anyway, because I'm superstitious. <laughs> writers are superstitious and weird about things like that. But if I did, you'd you come back and say, like, what happened to that novel? And I'd be like, oh yeah, no, then <laughs> something else completely and entirely, because they go through these huge changes. Wow. Well, it's good to know that's that's normal though. Right? <laughs> I, I guess, yes. I never know whether people find this heartening or really demoralizing. And I, <laughs> I find it, personally, I find it heartening. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so that's good. Yeah, that's really good. It's really good. You said you're just a, a really huge reader. What are, and you only read fiction. So what are you, what are some of the, what are some of your all-time favorites or something recently that you've read, something you've read recently that you love? Let's look at my many books in my bookshelf. This is the book I'm recommending to everybody these days. Oh, I keep hearing great things about it. Is it it really amazing? amazing. Okay, okay. so amazing. I read it years ago because, because the publication on this one has been so slow and now I'm reading it again and it's just fantastic. I mean, it's fantastic the first time. It's fantastic the second time. It's timely. It's amazing. We must not think of ourselves. We must not think of ourselves. It is a, it takes place in the Warsaw Ghetto. Mm-hmm. So it's historical fiction. It is World War II. It is not cheerful, but it is hopeful. It is not a depressing book. Mm-hmm. It is a remarkable book because you know how it ends, but also you know how it ends. It is a it is a book about people who are keeping in one person in particular who is keeping an archive. And that is a true story. And that archive survives. And you know that it survives because you're reading about it. And so it is a really remarkable book. I love all of her books. And that is the best one. So, you know, take that. I am also recommending to everybody Naomi Alderman's new book, The Future. She's another one I love everything she's ever written. I did not think that she could top the power. I felt like the power was an essentially perfect book. This book is, it blew my mind. I mean, it, 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 it blew my mind. I, it was one of these books where like every three pages, so I had to put it down and go, okay, what? I mean, it's, it's that level of, of thing. It's very smart. It's about tech billionaires behaving badly and the geniuses, the rogue geniuses who who want to fix it. And it is epic in scope. And she too manages to do it. I mean, it's, you know, it's 350 pages, 400 pages. I, you know, it's just, and you can't stop turning them. I'm recommending this book to everyone. In the well of all time favorites, this book, we're all completely beside ourselves. Karen Joy Fowler. It's a book I recommend to everyone who will sit still long enough to listen. If people have not read this book, the thing to do is to read it without reading anything about it. Don't read the reviews. Don't read the back. Don't even look at the cover if you can help it. Um, Just (laughs) uh, because it's got a twist and you want to preserve it if you can. Though it's really fantastic, even if you know it. She is definitely in my like all-time, all-time favorites. I mean, gosh, I could do this all time. I, know, I was like, you should have your own show. I'm just sitting here watching you. This is great. Yeah, I really, all day long, I could do this. Percival Everett is someone I am forever recommending to people to read. The Trees is another one that just, I mean, it's speaking of funny. This, this book is laugh out loud, funny book about lynching and race in America. And 
And gosh, that is, you know, a remarkable combination. He's he's amazing. You know, this is a man with 30-some novels. He writes like one a year. They are unlike anything else I ever read by anybody else. The one that's coming out next year is called James. It's Huck Finn yes. from Jim's. Yep. It's amazing. He's amazing. He's, you know, he's amazing. Anyway, as I say, I could do this all day long. So <laughs> you, you should cut me off, but. No, I know. I'm going to just like come to you for all my book recommendations. This is great. The world would be a better place if people would just read what I told them to, I think. <laughs> <laughs> do you do anything? Like, do you post your lists and like make a whole thing about it? I, I don't actually. I mean, I'm asked often enough in, in ways like this. And so, you know, and I'm always, so, 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 and I Zoom with a lot of book clubs and um, they always ask that question. And that's a really good question for book clubs to ask. But I don't, I don't have any sort of a, you know, I don't know. It would be a good thing to do like a sub stack or something like this, where I just every month told people what they should read. You should. Let me know. I can help you set it up. (laughs) Thank you. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Okay. I know you've already given a lot of advice, a lot of advice, but if there's one more piece that an aspiring novelist out there should know, or even just somebody working on a follow-up who's just like adrift or whatever, what what is your advice? Well, and you are adrift because I think one of the unfortunate things about novel writing is that what you learned writing the last one doesn't actually help you with the next one because they're so different from one another. That's that's not an uplifting piece of advice. I have two, I think. One is read everything. And that's everyone's best advice. And it's because it's the best piece of advice. A thing I tell students all the time is the advice that you're given about writing all of it, take it or leave it. It's, it works for the person who's given it to you. It may very well have absolutely nothing to do with your process except that one. You got to be reading. It, there's no point otherwise. You figure out what it is that you might read that is going to drive and steer your your writing usefully for you. It's not like if you're writing this, you have to be reading this and this and this and this, but you got to be reading something in order to support that the process and the voice and, and the whole idea of it. I just think it's non-negotiable. I feel like personally, I am always writing about what I am reading mm-hmm. and and I find that practice to be, to be when I'm teaching people how to write, I'm, mm-hmm. and therefore they have to do what I say. I, I <laughs> make that part of the curriculum. And this is the other one, edit. Um, that's the other piece of advice is like, to fear not the fact that your draft is crap. It's going to be crap for a while. You can make it better and you will. And that too is not like, oh, I'll just go through it one or two more times and then everything will be fine. I think it takes, I mean, it takes me hundreds, hundreds of times of going to the beginning and writing through to the end and fixing things and going back to the beginning and writing through to the end. But that's okay because that is part of the process. So that is my other piece of advice. Don't despair, edit. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Lori, thank you so much. Thank you for the thought-provoking entertainment and all of it from Family Family. And yeah, I am a huge new fan and I'm sorry I'm only coming to you now but I'm delighted <laughs> and I feel like I've discovered this gem that everyone knew about and I'm they're all like well yeah of course <laughs> like, okay, okay fine okay true. fine I was just late to the party <laughs> uh welcome welcome and thank you so much Zibby for doing this this is a pleasure you are a delight I'm thrilled and grateful thank you okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right bye Lori bye <laughs> thanks thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com